From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. This week, record-breaking floods in Queensland and New South Wales have left thousands of homes decimated, with tens of thousands of residents forced to evacuate and a number of people dead. Meanwhile, overseas, Russian forces have been intensifying their attacks on Ukraine, with key cities beginning to fall to Russian troops. So how is the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, who also received a COVID-19 diagnosis this week, dealing with these challenges? Today, columnist for the Saturday paper, Paul Bongiorno, on Scott Morrison's performance and plummeting popularity. It's Friday, March 3. Paul, there has been so much happening this week, I almost don't know where we should start. Well, true, Ruby. Most immediately, you have the catastrophic weather and flooding on the East Coast. Australia's East Coast flood crisis is closing in on Sydney as we go to air, with extreme weather bearing down on the city. Then there's the horror of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. We'll leave the flood emergency for the moment. It's been an horrific 24 hours in Ukraine as besieged cities are hit over and over again. And we even have the COVID bug catching up with the Prime Minister. Scott Morrison has thanked the public for their well wishes after confirming he has tested positive for COVID-19. The Prime Minister is now working from home, focusing on the floods and Russia. Well, let's talk about those floods in Queensland first. You were at one point a, a reporter in Queensland and you've spent a lot of time there over the years. So tell me about what happened this week, the scenes that we've been seeing across that state. Ruby, we seem to call everything unprecedented now, but this really is. The so-called rain bomb is putting nearly 1,500 homes at risk. A hundred suburbs are on high alert. Rivers in the sky is how it's being described. Four Sydney harbours worth of water dumped on southern Queensland in a matter of days. Lives in jeopardy on water and on land, with 1,500 homes at risk as a monster high tide hit and relentless rain sent the city into panic. The flooding's been horrific. Whole buildings washed away. This is complete and utter devastation here, Carl. Think about this. This is every single business, every single service station, every single Coles, it is gone. At least nine people have died in Queensland. In New South Wales, where these rain bombs have also exploded, the death toll as we speak stands at four. Car parks turned into raging torrents, so did playgrounds. Hundreds of drivers have been trapped across the city and the death toll keeps rising. We had 638 mils of rain in three days and they are saying we could possibly get another 500 today. The event has washed over the top of the markers from the famous flood in 74 in Brisbane. You know, meteorologists are being forced to rethink describing these events as one in a hundred years or even one in a thousand years. They're now occurring too frequently for this mathematical probability metaphor to be meaningful. Mm. And it has been devastating for so many people and it's been really sad, Paul, watching it all unfold. Can you tell me a bit, though, about the political reaction that we've been seeing? Well, this is a tense one and it's very important to Morrison after the shambles of the Black Summer bushfires response, well, he made sure he was in flood-ravaged Brisbane at the weekend. 
and seem to be personally involved and briefed. Okay, good morning everyone and uh, good morning Queensland. We have a lot to get through today, so... Um, if everyone can... On Monday morning, Labor Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk held an early news conference flanked by her police and emergency officials. Uh, but just to give you some indication of the Wyvernhoe increases, on Thursday it was 58.7%, Friday 80.6%, Saturday 142 and today it's 160 So this is an, a very extreme weather event. She spelled out how the Bureau of Meteorology had to revise warnings three times on Sunday of the severity of the weather event swamping the state. She also drew attention to the state government's assistance payments. People will be able to get eligibility for $900 for a family of five or more, and there is a community recovery hotline, but we'll give that to you uh, later on. Two hours later, Morrison held a news conference flanked only by the Liberal Lord Mayor of Brisbane, Adrian Schrinner. The planning for the recovery has already begun, and the resources and the support that will be necessary to ensure the clean-up can get underway. I, I commend the Queensland Government for the work they're doing with the councils. What he had to announce, well, it left the Queensland Government underwhelmed. In sombre, almost contrite tones, the Prime Minister re-announced the federal disaster relief measures that have been left unchanged since John Howard tweaked them in 2006 and which have been applied by every Prime Minister since. Years ...and those um, disaster recovery allowance payments that are made by the Federal Government will be able to support them in those areas and uh, further support payments uh, will be assessed... Uh, once there was no new money, nothing from the billions set aside for the election, even as the damage bill climbs to unimaginable levels. As one key advisor told me, nothing special for Queensland yet $70 million for lethal aid to Ukraine. Mm. Okay, and Paul, the unspoken reality that is underpinning this situation is climate change, and I suppose more specifically the, the Morrison government's lack of response to that challenge. Well, absolutely. The release of the latest international panel on climate change report this week reinforced the link between these extreme weather events and global warming. It's increasingly clear that Morrison's adoption of the net zero emissions by 2050 fails to address the rapidly emerging crisis. In reluctantly agreeing to this goal, the Nationals still held the Prime Minister to Tony Abbott's pathetically weak targets of 26 to 28 percent reduction by 2030. Now, voters know this isn't enough. They're losing their houses to it. Contrast this with John Howard's political response in the run-up to the 2007 election, where climate change was also a big issue. Today I'm announcing $627 million in practical new measures to tackle global warming. Howard read the mood and promised a strong emissions reduction scheme. Implementing an emissions trading scheme and setting a long-term goal for reducing emissions will be the most momentous economic decisions Australia will take in the next decade. One Liberal I spoke to this week pointed out the difference between the two leaders and their response, which is all about, really, their response to the National Party. The Liberal told me, and I'm quoting, Morrison doesn't have Howard's authority over his government to do the same. You know, that really means he hasn't got the authority to give the electorate what they're demanding in the great crisis 
we all face. We'll be back in a moment. As a a 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points with links to full articles from a range of sources. Get the news you need to your inbox every weekday morning with Post. Sign up at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. For Sloan Crosley, writing about the loss of a friend may not have provided catharsis, but it did allow for the possibility of a better ending. Like you have this amazing meal that's this friendship and then you have a really, 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 really bad dessert with shards of glass in it. And then like the book is like, you know, those little chunks of chocolate that come with the bill. I'm Michael Williams. Join me for this week's episode of Read This as I talk to Sloane Crosley about her latest Grief is for People. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Paul, the flooding in Queensland is really throwing into relief the lack of leadership on climate that we're seeing from the federal government and, in particular, from the Prime Minister. So are we seeing the effects of that playing out in the polls at all? Well, the release of news poll on Monday was another shocker for the government. The latest average of all the published polls, including Roy Morgan on Tuesday, has Labor's two-party preferred lead just under 10%. Polling analyst Kevin Bonham's view last week has been reinforced with this week's numbers. His analysis of the historical data has led him to conclude the Morrison government is now, quote, outside the historic recovery window. Right, OK. And so what does he mean by that, by the recovery window? Well, it's the time it takes a leader to turn around their fortunes in the polls. If you look at the averages, even with other leaders with similar bad figures, it takes more than the three months Morrison has to win back the electorate, to recover. In the last three news polls, Labor's primary vote of 41% is its highest level since Malcolm Turnbull's dumping smashed the Liberal support in August 2018. Labor's run of primary votes at this level matches Kevin Rudd's performance when he was a popular Prime Minister in 2009. But i got to tell you, there's one number in the poll that has Albanese's camp particularly excited. Now, while Morrison is deep in negative approval territory for his performance, with 55% dissatisfied, only 2% are uncommitted. And this gives the embattled Prime Minister very little scope to lift his support. It tells us voters have made up their minds. Albanese, on the other hand, is just in positive territory, and he has a 13% uncommitted. So he's got more to work with, and the trend is narrowing in his favour. Right. So it sounds, Paul, like that 2%, that's the magic number, the 2% of voters that that Morrison has left to swing. And, And I mean, that's not very many. Well, theoretically, yes, the public uh, didn't have a firm view of Morrison going into the last election, and he managed to snatch victory against the odds. This time, well, they know who he is, and the polls say they're not impressed. Even the crisis in Ukraine hasn't helped his fortunes. Obviously, there's an expectation that national security is a vote winner for the coalition. But it's not showing up in these polls and Morrison isn't dominating the national agenda, as he might hope. I was told of some interesting focus group research, Ruby, of swinging voters 
conducted last weekend by Labor, and it was done in three Western Australian seats that they're targeting Hasluck, Pearce and Swan. The research found almost universal condemnation of Morrison. Voters didn't believe Albanese was weak on China, as Morrison's been saying. They accused the Prime Minister of running a desperate scare campaign. And uh, one woman even likened his behaviour to a toddler having a tantrum. So, Ruby, that's where we end this week. A long way from where Morrison wants to be, going into an election. Actually, as we mentioned, he's in isolation with COVID-19. You know, it's an apt metaphor. He's just as friendless and removed as the polls are revealing. Mm. Well, there's still time, Paul, before the election comes around, and I'm sure that he's counting on that. Yeah, Ruby, I'm sure he is. See you next week, Paul. Bye. With award-winning news coverage and reviews, The Saturday Paper is essential reading for everybody. For a limited time, subscribe to a year of our quality, independent journalism, and you'll receive The Saturday Paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. The Saturday Paper. No hot takes. Also in the news today... Half a million people are under evacuation orders across New South Wales as heavy rain forecasts continue to exacerbate the flood crisis across the state. Major flooding has also been recorded on Sydney's outskirts. In Queensland, flood cleanup efforts have been halted, with the Bureau of Meteorology warning of severe thunderstorms in the southeast of the state over the next 24 hours. Residents of already inundated properties have been told not to return home and to instead head to evacuation centres. And according to the UN's refugee agency, up to one million people have fled Ukraine in the weeks since Russia invaded. As Russia's invasion of the country continues to escalate, the agency predicts roughly 10% of the country's population could eventually leave. 7am is a daily show from The Monthly and The Saturday Paper. It's produced by Elle Marsh, Cara Jensen-McKinnon, Anu Hasbold and Alex Gow. Our senior producer is Ruby Schwartz and our technical producer is Atticus Basto. Brian Compo mixes the show. Our editor is Osman Faruqi. Eric Jensen is our editor-in-chief. Our theme music is by Ned Beckley and Josh Hogan of Envelope Audio. And this week was the last week at 7am for our editor, Osman Faruqi. He'll be missed by the team, but we wish him the best of luck in his next ventures. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you next week. <laughs>